0: The following podcast will contain explicit material and subject matter that some people may find disturbing and or upsetting. You have been warned. (laughs) Hey motherfuckers, guess who it is? is It's the son of a bitch that pops ketchup balloons at a kid's birthday party. He's Creepy Mike! Holy fuck balls! Alright, what's going on motherfuckers? This is Creepy Mike coming at you from my living room today, because uh, it's such a nice day. I just said I didn't want to be in the basement, so I got the windows, and the door is open, and I'm sitting in the living room in my awesome chair, and it's just me, and I'm drinking coffee and talking to you guys. So, if you hear weird noises in the background, it's probably shit coming in from outside. <laughs> so, on today's, today's episode of uh, What's in Creepy Mike's Brain, we're going to talk a little bit about this whole writing shit, this whole uh, uh, black-on-white shit, this whole... Uh, basically just shit. So, <laughs> and uh, we're also gonna touch a little bit on the upcoming anniversary of D-Day. Uh, that'll be towards that'll be at the end of the show. I got a nice little thing that I'm gonna leave you guys with when that happens. So, uh, real quick, this whole thing is just absolute horseshit. I have been paying very close attention, and I gotta tell you, folks, um, it really is a damn shame that people seem to think they can affect change by destroying their own fucking community i get it you guys are pissed off i get it you guys think you need to be heard and and i 100 percent agree that y'all deserve a voice and if you are one of the people that are writing uh shame on you shame on you plain and simple Uh, rioting and looting never got a damn thing done. I mean, look what happened in 92 with Rodney King. After the riots and all that were done and said, uh, property tax went up, taxes in general went up. It was almost impossible to get anything done in downtown L.A. And on top of it, there were sweeping arrests and people thrown in jail that shouldn't have been in jail. Um, And some of the people that should have been in jail somehow didn't go to jail. So if you are rioting and looting, Shame on you. Now you wanna you wanna protest, you wanna march, you wanna hold signs, fucking a right, get out there and do it. Make yourself a goddamn sign, walk up and down the street and hold it. And uh when cars go by, tell them what you what you're standing there for and you know, get get ten, twenty, thirty thousand of your buddies to peacefully march. That's that's awesome. That's fantastic. That's what you that's what we should be doing can't be breaking into people's stuff and stealing their shit, busting in doors and lighting shit on fire and all that stuff. I mean, that's that just, lent, that just shows the animal mentality that people have. And, and, you know, there's actually a study based on it, and the results are conclusive. And I won't bore you with the details, but basically it says that uh, there's something that exists called the mob mentality where when enough people see enough other people doing something right or wrong – they'll join in. So basically, if me and four of my buddies decide we're going to go downtown, and uh, we're going to protest, and we're going to carry signs, and that's and all that stuff, and we start smashing windows, there's a really good chance that a lot of the other people that are involved in this protest are going to suddenly change from peaceful to fucking monsters. So, you know, that's unfortunate. Believe it or not, it's this is one of the things that's been learned, and all that stuff so anyway one of the really cool things that I get to do is occasionally occasionally I get folks that uh, say hey you should play this song or you should play that song so um, by request to uh, Stephanie Court here is Big Balls
1: class high society god's gift to ballroom notoriety and i always fill my ballroom the event is never small the social pages say i've got the biggest balls of all
0: I love that song. That, that that's one of those tunes that'll uh usually put you in a good mood, even if you're even if it's a shitty day, you know, you can count on that one. Um so one of the things I want to discuss with y'all this week is obviously they got this these marches and stuff going on, and uh rightfully so. People are pissed off and you know, that's their voice. They're the protesting and all that stuff. Uh the unfortunate part is a whole bunch of people are making everybody else look like complete fucking assholes. So when you have, you know, 99% of cops that are just great, wonderful people that will do whatever they can and lay down their life for others, uh, you know, without a second's thought, and they do the hard job of, of uh, arresting criminals and, and things of that nature, they get tarnished by that 1% of scumbags who decide they need to abuse their badge and their power. You know, that's, that's it's a shame. But uh, I want you guys to listen to what uh, our New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu had to say. Um, there was a uh, some media released uh, recently. It was uh, it was reported on uh, by WMUR, which is excuse me, WMUR, which is the uh, the New Hampshire uh, news source. Basically, it's it's our it's our television news because we're such a small state. We <laughs> <laughs> we have like we have a couple of news ones, but uh, this is typically what people turn to. So take a listen to this and uh, tell me what you think. Uh, send me an email, text message, and all that. But I gotta say, I, I, I for a Republican, he's definitely a moderate, and I totally dig it. Hang on.
2: After a weekend of protests, some peaceful, some violent, over the killing of George Floyd in Minnesota, Governor Chris Sununu says the state stands with peaceful protesters in New Hampshire speaking out against racial injustice, but he says he also has to prepare for the possibility of violent unrest. So we have been in regular contact with uh, state police here, local law enforcement across the state, uh, the men and women of the National Guard, General Michaelitis, um, all aspects of the community that um, can, can and probably do need to be on the front lines in terms of just being aware of the situations. Before the massive peaceful protest in Manchester over the weekend, the governor called organizers to voice his support. He says there's a difference between the people gathering peacefully during the day versus what's happening in some cities once the sun goes down. On a call with governors today, President Donald Trump encouraged them to, quote, dominate protesters. When asked, Governor Sununu said he doesn't feel the need to do that. Speaking for myself, no, I I don't think that anyone needs to be dominated. If anything, here in New Hampshire, I think we've shown working together in a very constructive and peaceful way is, is clearly a pathway to success. The governor says any protests that do turn violent, will be dealt with appropriately. Racism has no home uh, here, uh, will not be tolerated anywhere in New Hampshire, and neither does violence and, and looting or rioting. And this afternoon, Governor Sununu also rejected the comparison of the George Floyd protests and protests of the stay-at-home order, saying issues of racial injustice run far deeper. He says anyone who makes that comparison is quote, missing the point.
0: So that was, that was our governor here in New Hampshire. And, you know, uh, I don't make any secrets about it. I'm a, I'm a Republican. I'm not a stupid, crazy right-wing Republican, but I'm a Republican. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think I'm more of a moderate. I don't think I'm crazy right. Definitely not alt-right, because those guys are fucking nut jobs, just kind of <laughs> like the guys on the alt-left. I mean, it's when you're way, way extreme on both of these, uh, I think your message gets lost. But I think if you're... If you're a moderate Republican, you have the opportunity to kind of work with both sides. Even though you're a Republican, sometimes you lean to the left. But, um, yeah, so that's what he said, especially about dominating people. Now, I get what the president is saying. You know, he wants the governors to to make sure that their states are controlled and to make sure that the riots and, and uh, whatnot are contained and that people and property are protected. I, I, I get that. I just think uh dominating is probably not a better not a good choice of words. There are so many other words out there that you could use uh maybe control or or diffuse or something like that um I mean for Christ's sakes man you should do a better job of speaking and learning how to speak uh especially especially if you decide you're gonna be the president and you wanna run again um that's you know that's just kind of how I feel about it now flip side of that is. The president has has vowed to send in uh, active-duty military troops if the governors don't get control of their states. Now, I am not a history major, specifically when it deals with the Constitution, and it deals with politics, and it deals with laws and rules and all that. But I do know that should the president choose He can do this based on the Insurrection Act. However, the flip side to that is I believe, I'm not 100% positive, but I believe the troops have to be requested by the governor. I don't think the president can just send them. I think the governor can say, hey, uh, Donnie, (laughs) New Hampshire is going to hell in a handbasket. National Guard troops just aren't cutting it, because why would they? Because they're National Guard. Please send me active duty Army or active duty Marine Corps troops, and then I think, based on that, the the president can say, okay, here's a company of Marines, or you know, here's a battalion of soldiers, or, or whatever. You know, deploy them where you need to. Um, but that's kind of scary, because that 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 means that means it's a police state. And those are things we don't want because then you start looking at what happens in Russia, what happened in Germany, what's happening well, what's currently happening in you know, North Korea, what happened on the killing fields, what happened in South Africa, what happened in Somalia. You know, there's a precedence for this all over the world. You just gotta look. So when you militarize your troops military that's only like, second. sorry, when you <laughs> when you militarize your states The very next thing you're looking at the possibility of is a very real possibility of a declaration of martial law. Now, that is very, very dangerous. The United States citizens should not be ruled over by an oppressive government and should not be certainly controlled for an indeterminate period of time by troops. Um, I'm pretty sure that was one of the many things that led to the revolution. Um, And if it didn't lead to it, it was definitely foresaw at the, you know, when the when the founding fathers started writing all this shit up and sending George, <laughs> dear George letters, dear George, we break up. <laughs> imagine, imagine how King George must have been. He's sitting on a throne, just freaking doing whatever he does, running his empire, and all of a sudden some freaking, uh, some slack-jawed knee-knocking servant comes walking in, and he doesn't want to look George in the eye because it's probably... <laughs> He's probably gonna get his head chopped off and he goes, uh, uh, your Majesty, we we've got a letter for you from from the colonies. And George probably like, Whoa, oh, which colonies are that? And he's like, Well, Your Majesty, the ones that are giving us trouble over in the new land, the uh the Americas. So so Georgie probably takes it and he rips it open and he's probably like, Alright, I wonder what the governor said. How's this going? And he opens it up. Dear George, we break up signed america dude he must have lost his fucking mind <laughs> 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 The poor servant that brought it he probably got his head cut off anyway because you know george was a tyrant but uh anyway uh where was i oh troops so we don't need to see troops active duty military troops uh controlling our state in uh in our cities now i'm relatively certain that shit's not going to get crazy like that here in New Hampshire. However, look at California. The governor of California, the governor of New York, this fucking Cuomo guy. These two states, when you really look at it, if if something were to happen and, and these, these federal troops were to be utilized, these two states, I think, would do it. Now, the problem with California is there's an entire Marine Corps division in California. Now, for those of you guys that don't know the size of Marine Corps divisions, um, I'll give you an idea. It's not going to be exact. So, in a Marine Corps rifle company, there are usually four platoons if you don't count headquarters. Uh, There are three rifle platoons and a a weapons platoon. And your weapons platoon usually has... uh, uh light uh medium machine guns so you got your 240s you get your uh your 60 millimeter mortars and you've got your assault men, which from what i hear that's being phased out but these are your uh your demolitions experts uh they're the guys that launch rockets and use tnt and and um uh well if it's available but usually c4 and this other stuff and they blow shit up and Usually your machine guns and your assault men are tasked out to platoons and your mortar guys. um, They tend to kind of, they're in general support of the company. So usually each platoon has about 50 guys. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a little bit less. So you figure you got about 200 to 250 Marines in a company um, when it's a full, full company. Now. Usually, you have uh, three companies to a battalion, not counting headquarters. But in this case, you kind of need to. So, so you got about a thousand guys in a battalion. It's a rough estimate. Uh, And usually, there's three to four battalions in a regiment. So, typically, uh, a Marine Corps regiment can see anywhere from Two thousand to thirty-five hundred, if it's a full regiment, maybe four thousand people. So that's a lot of dudes. Now, typically, when you look at your regiments, your infantry regiments, um, I'm not positive, but I think there's, I think there's like three regiments in the division, infantry regiments. So you figure about. Eight to nine thousand, maybe ten thousand guys, if they're completely full, that are just like infantry guys. Now that's not counting the uh, the support and all that stuff. So you got like, you know, you get some tanks, you get some uh, light armored reconnaissance, you get, uh, you know, your air your air wing. So realistically, in California, there's probably about and on the conservative side, twelve thousand marines. That at a moment's notice, should the governor of California decide he needs these troops, become available. That doesn't mean they'll be used, but available. Now, that's kind of scary. Not to mention you got another red, you got another division just like that down in the Carolinas and another one over in Okinawa. But for now, uh, that one doesn't count simply because getting them back here would take some doing. So now think about that. Then you take whatever the army's got. I have no idea how the army works. Um, and and nor do I really care, but they've got uh, infantry divisions, they've got mountain divisions, they've got uh, ranger battalion, and all that stuff. So the potential for this thing to explode and become a problem is very, very real. However, I think if governors are smart enough to figure this out, it won't come to that. Uh, If it does come to that, Holy shitballs! It could be kind of nuts, but uh, yeah. I just <laughs> I just read a message. <laughs> so my friend Alicia sent this message to a group chat. Said dreamed I was a muffler last night. Woke up exhausted. Don't delete me, please. <laughs> Oh man! Anyway, so, so that that, uh, that that's kind of interesting when you think about how the potential for this to go off the rails is very, very real. So, in light of that, I want you guys to think about think about this. Um, should should a governor decide to utilize the Insurrection Act? Or should the president decide to utilize the insurrection act, we're gonna end up. We're gonna end up following as a puppet. Our our military will follow a puppet. That's bad. So this song will kinda convey the feelings that I have towards that. destruction um, certainly helps things go go a little easier um, so tonight so today is uh, today's the fourth I'm recording this on the fourth um, and there's gonna be you know I'm probably it's probably gonna be a long one I'm probably gonna do multiple segments but uh, anyway tonight Thursday there's a uh, there's a protest scheduled um, in Concord um, and Uh, some guys that I know are going to go up there and the whole deal is they are, they are there to, to guard cruisers and guard property and prevent crime, prevent things from going down. Now I'm very, 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 seriously considering joining them. Um, you know, and if I do join them, I'll go up there and I'll have my pistol concealed And I'll have my AR-15 slung, and the idea is going to be simply to protect property, to defuse situations, redirect people, and kind of stand guard to make sure cruisers aren't messed with, cops cruisers, because they're obviously going to be out and about doing stuff. So I'm giving that some serious thought. Now, there's a group of folks that are going to meet up um, around 7 o'clock in preparation for this, so... Obviously, I'm going to be talking to the wife about this because I know how she feels, but uh, it's kind of important to me to to do these kinds of things. So um, anyway, so talking about uh, talking about uh, protests and stuff here in Manchester, New Hampshire, we've had um, in the last over the course of the last week, we've had three protests. The first one was a march. It started at um, Arms Park, which is downtown, and uh, a bunch of people marched. And they were there was a police escort, and everything went fine. They walked downtown. They held their signs. They yelled out whatever it was they were yelling out. I don't know. I wasn't there. And then after that, um, a handful of about a, about a hundred folks, um, they went to uh the police station and they had uh they had uh the presence of mind to protest out in the police in front of the police station and again held signs chanted whatever they chanted no violence perfect yeah it was a little bit loud but no violence uh 2 days ago there was um or a few days back, they had a candlelight vigil at uh one of the parks downtown. Um I believe I I believe it was uh I believe it was uh a vigil for this guy who got uh who got himself uh killed unfortunately. So they held that and I believe it was put on by uh Black Lives Matter, I believe. And then then it got kind of weird after that there was a protest down on south willow street where is where all the all the uh restaurants and the mall and all that and that got that turned a little bit violent. there was something like uh like eight dudes arrested um and when you look at the photos of these guys it's very clear i hate to be that guy but for a long time my safety and the safety of others depended on my ability to make snap judgments and a lot and a lot of times I just had to be looking at somebody and feeling it and knowing if there were going to be trouble. So when you look at these photos, you can tell you can tell that these people are we're going down there looking for a fight. so that brings me to my my next point. Now here's the thing: What occurred is terrible shouldn't occurred but it happened now as a country we just kind of got to move forward with this we got to let our legal system handle this the right way and we got to make sure that the uh the people that that committed these crimes are dealt with it's that simple so we're going to change gears a little bit um i think i'm going to discuss world war ii just a smidge nothing too crazy But I was doing some research, and you'd be surprised how difficult it can be to come across accurate numbers, especially on, even on, like, the government websites, it can be kind of tough. So I found some information. Now, World War II, um, because this weekend is the anniversary of D-Day and all that, I decided to dig up some numbers. So, this is interesting. The United States, the total population on January 1st, 1939 of the United States, 131,028,000 people. Okay? Military deaths from all causes during World War II, 407,300. Also during World War II, civilian deaths due to military activity and crimes against humanity 12,100. Now that could be combat photographers, that could be um boats that were sunk that had uh you know Americans on board like uh uh luxury liners and merchant shipping and stuff like that. Total deaths of Americans during World War II 419,400, so almost half a million people from the United States. So, as of the population of 1939, one-third of the population from 1939 was killed during World War II. That is insane. 671,801 folks were wounded. Now, those numbers are crazy high but that's nothing when you look at um the Jewish population of 6 million being killed obviously but then you look at the population of the Soviet Union within the 1946 to 1991 borders so i mean it's pretty big country, country uh it was including annexed territories so the total population there 188,793,000 uh death from uh, military deaths from all causes Uh, between 8 and 11 million. Civilian deaths from the USSR due to military activity and crimes against humanity, 4,500,000 to roughly 10 million. Civilian deaths due to war-related famine and disease, this was important because they had a pretty rough 8 to 9 million. So the total deaths, total deaths for the Soviet Union between 20 million, and 27 million motherfuckers that is a lot of ivans that got fucking waxed so um there's a table on this page that explains um the deaths but so soviet union uh they because they had so many countries the uh 13.7 percent of their population was killed 13.7 percent. that's a lot of dudes a lot of dudes So, um, yeah, anyway, so that that was one of the things I just wanted to touch on real quick. So World War II, World War II fought to, you know, probably the last war that was fought to actually protect America as a whole. Now, when I say protect America as a whole, I simply mean it was, America was directly attacked by a foreign military. And there was a very real threat of Nazism as well, so we had obviously the Japanese attacked us on december seventh nineteen forty one and we kind of had to respond to that and by doing so, uh, we declared war on Japan and her allies. Now, the other thing about this is uh in Germany, well Nazi Germany, you know you had Hitler's huge plan for world domination, a very real possibility had he been able to take great britain um it would have only been a matter of time before we had missiles and and subs at our door. Um, you know, we actually did have subs at our door, but uh, it would have been a matter of time before there were beach landings and all that in the States. So that I'm confident on. Anyway, uh, so that ties into what I'm going to say next. Listen up, motherfuckers. You guys that are out there protesting and counter-protesting. These folks fought for your right to do that, and a lot of them died for your right to do that what they didn't fight and die for was you kicking in doors, lighting shit on fire, and hurting each other. Knock the shit off. It's that simple. Um anyway, so that's that. So <laughs> um I think this is probably a good a place as any to end today. I'll probably pick up again tomorrow, um and record again tomorrow. But for today I did a I did a thing um, I took a, a speech from FDr regarding d day I kind of threw a song underneath it and let it run. so uh, that's how I'm gonna close out today's segment, but uh I will talk with you all again, enjoy it, and as always, go fuck yourselves
3: in this poignant hour. I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and cruel. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore-tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, Almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, Let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled let not the impacts of temporary events of temporal matters of but fleeting moment let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose with thy blessing We shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy, help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances, lead us to the saving of our country, and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable, to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen.
0: The following podcast will contain explicit material and subject matter that some people may find disturbing and or upsetting. You have been warned. (laughs) Hey motherfuckers, guess who it is? It's the son of a bitch that pops ketchup balloons at a kid's birthday party. Here's Creepy
4: Mike!
5: Hey,
0: what's going on, motherfuckers? Uh, this is Creepy Mike coming at you from my living room. Today's date is June 6th, 2020. Uh, if that sounds familiar to you, it should, because that is the uh, same day as the D Day invasion, uh, also known as Operation Overlord. Uh, which occurred uh, June 6, 1944. So, yeah, pretty interesting about that. So let me see. Let's do some quick math here. 44, 54, 64, 74, 84, 94, 04, 14. That's 70 and 20, so 76 years ago. Holy crap. That's a long time, and when I said in 20, I meant 2020. So, 76 years ago—that's crazy. Just think about that for a second. What's even more insane is think about the fact that there are still a handful of guys out there uh, who lived it, which is kind of nuts. They're in their, you know, their late 90s. I had a buddy um, up until uh, a couple months back. His name was Bill. Wicked good dude. He was actually uh he was he was at the uh the sneak attack at pearl harbor he was a a navy guy and he was there he's on the other side of the island but he was there and him and i used to talk about it a lot that's kind of nuts when you really think about it Uh, i think it when did he die i think it was march no maybe february of this year he died february i think so yeah kind of crazy but uh anyway I kind of thought that uh, one of the things I would do today was uh, I'd play a, I thought, you know, hey, I got to play all these kick-ass war songs from uh, <laughs> World War II. But uh, when I did that, I said, you know, there's got to be a bunch until I started looking. And it turns out there's not a bunch. So I picked, uh, I picked two. Um, uh, but I got this thing here. And uh it's a it's a memo that went out. so uh, I don't know if if you guys are if y'all are familiar with uh, things specifically uh, if civilians are familiar, familiar with things, but when when we go to when we go to fight, and this happened when I was in Iraq, um, and then a lot of other people have told me it's you know it's happened when they were in different combat theaters and stuff. but um, there's a thing. That usually happens where the people in charge, uh, they like to, they like to send out, um, uh, inspiration, I guess would be the right word for it, but really, um, it's, it's their neat little, uh, letters and stuff. So I've got one here and, uh, it's a partial because, of the way things went anyway. (sighs) So it starts off soldiers, sermon. Wow. Sermon. I don't even know what a sermon is. (laughs) Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the allied expeditionary force. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of loving people everywhere march with you in company with your brave allies and brothers in arms on our, excuse me, on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the germans war the german war machine the elimination of nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of europe and security for ourselves in a free world your task will not be an easy one your enemy is well trained well equipped and battle hardened he will fight savagely but this is the year 1944 much has happened since the nazi t- nazi triumphs of 1940 to 1941 The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Uh, it doesn't go on to say who it was that wrote it, but if uh, if I had to guess, I would say it was probably uh, either Eisenhower or MacArthur. I'm not really sure, but uh, I thought that was kind of neat. So, <laughs> so apparently, uh, there was this this, uh, this this story that came from the invasion. Uh, well, not the invasion, I'm sorry The sneak attack at Pearl Harbor That I guess there was a priest there Who was uh, <laughs> kind of a badass priest And uh, apparently When he was He got involved in the fight And said, praise the Lord And pass the ammunition, I guess I don't know how true it is But uh, right, af- uh, right after that um, Somebody wrote a song about it And they used the word So here we go So I guess, I guess that's a very interesting take on on uh, mentality of those folks back then. So uh, the other the other the other song I found uh, it, it's a pretty well known song. It's uh, it's the the Andrew Sisters. It's uh, Boogie Boogie Bugle Boy, and uh, <laughs> it just kind of it, it just goes to show what passed for popular music then. And what passes for popular music now, and how wicked different they are. So, I guess, yeah, there we go.
6: chicago way he had a boogie style that no one else could play he was the top man at his craft but then his number came up and he was gone with the draft he's in the army now a blowing reveille he's the boogie woogie bugle boy of company b they made him blow a bugle for his uncle sam it really brought him down because he couldn't jam the captain seemed to understand because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band and now the company jumps when he plays reveille, he's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. A toot, a toot, a toot he a tooty blows it to the bar. In boogie rhythm, he can't blow a note unless the bass and guitar is playing with him. He makes a company jump when he plays reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. He was a boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. He plays boogie-woogie bugle, he was busy as a bee. Z- b- and when he plays he makes the company jump A to the bar. He's a boogie-woogie bugle boy of company B. Do-do-do-do-da-da, do-do-da-da, do- do- he blows it A to the bar. He can't blow a note if the bass and guitar isn't with it, I'm- uh- <laughs> and the company jumps when he plays reveille. <comercial> he He's a boogie-woogie bugle boy of company B. to sleep with Boogie every night and wakes them up the same way in the early bright they clap their hands and stamp their feet because they know how he plays when someone gives him a beat he really breaks it up when he plays reveille he is the Boogie Boogie beautiful part of company
0: So yep, there's that. So I did uh, I did a quick little search while that song was while that song was playing in the uh the letter that I, I read to you guys just uh at the beginning there. Uh it was Eisenhower, it was his letter to uh, Allied forces, so um yeah, that was pretty neat. So I figured one of the neat things since we're, since it's the, uh, you know, the anniversary of Operation Overlord, I figured we would discuss just a little bit of it. So I pulled up my handy dandy internet web browser here. So here are the belligerents of the <laughs> the, the landings at Operation Overlord. So, uh, for the allies, United States, United Kingdom. Canada, uh, France, the French resistance, Poland, Australia, New Zealand, Belgium, Czechoslovakia, Greece, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, which I just looked at it. It's pretty neat. Uh, Norway and, uh, Danish sailors. So yeah. And then on the other side, obviously, uh, you had Germany and the Italian social republic, which did what Italy does. Every time there's a war, they start off. On one side, and they switched, uh, switched to the other. So, um, the commanders and leaders from uh, so we had Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was the supreme Allied commander. So he was in charge of all of the Allied forces. Uh, then there was uh, Arthur Tedder, who was a Brit. It was the deputy supreme Allied commander. So it was uh, it was uh, Eisenhower's uh, Eisenhower's uh, number one. Then there was Bernard Montgomery, who was in charge of all the ground forces. Then there was... Montgomery was a Brit. Then there was Trafford Lay Mallory, also a Brit. He was the air commander uh, of all the air force forces. And then another Brit by the name of Bertram Ramsay. He was the commander of all of the naval forces. On the other side, obviously, you had Adolf Hitler, who was the Fuhrer of Germany. Uh, You had... Gerd von Rundstedt, uh, who was the commander of, of the West, and uh, Erwin Rommel, who was the commander of Group B, the Army Group B, now Erwin Rommel, also known as the Desert Fox. He was a brilliant tank commander. Um, so let's talk about strength. Uh, on the Allied side, 1,452,000 troops. Um by 25th july and by the end of august two million fifty two thousand two ninety nine then on the other side three hundred eighty thousand troops by 23 july and they ended up with roughly six hundred forty thousand troops total uh including twenty two hundred to twenty five hundred tanks and assault guns so let's talk a little bit about casualties I'm laughing because I'm looking at the numbers. Uh, 226,386 casualties on the Allied side. 288,695 to 530,000 casualties on the Axis side. I guess that depends on who you're you're talking to, whether you're talking to the Germans or the Russians or the Italians. The Allies lost 4,100 aircraft, and the Axis lost 2,100 aircraft. Allies lost about 4,000 tanks. That's a lot of tanks, but that's probably because of, you know, the other guys were dug in. And the other guys lost between 1,500 to 2,400. Now, this says this says during Operation Overlord. Now, Operation Overlord, um, it wasn't just D-Day. Okay, it started on June 6th, which is D-Day with the Normandy landings. Um, and it actually ended, the really neat thing was it ended August 30th. So June, July, August. So it was, and that was because there were constant setbacks, you know, um, so Operation Overlord started with the Normandy landings and it went right through, through August. So it was two months, three weeks, and three days. Pretty crazy. Um, anyhow, we're going to talk about the uh the invasion here for a second. Um we're going to talk about the beaches. So the beaches uh I just saw it um were divided up between pretty much the Americans, the uh the Brits and the Canadians. The Americans had um obviously we had we had Omaha Beach which was uh probably the the most infamous one there. Uh, and I think it's just because it was the one with the most fighting. Uh, it was definitely the one that was the most fortified. Um, and then <laughs> it's crazy. I'm, I'm reading all this stuff here, but uh, so you had Omaha Beach, you had uh, you had uh, gold and sword beaches, which were uh, the Brits. Uh, that was their area, and then um, there was one more. And I can't, I can't find it. I saw it earlier, but, uh, the Canadians had their own beach to take and, and they did their job too. So, uh, Oh, hang on. Hang on. I think I just saw it. Um, yeah, I didn't see it anyway. <laughs> uh the other beach for the, uh, allies was, uh, for the Americans was Utah. So we had Omaha and Utah, um, and then, uh, obviously I said sword and gold for the Brits and, uh, the Canadians, uh, the Canadians were, it was interesting. Um, they were a much smaller force. They like really didn't have the ability, uh, to spread out as much. So as a result, they ended up on, uh, on Juno, which was, uh, and they, you know, and they did their thing too. So hooray for Canadians, I guess. <laughs> Fucking Canucks. Uh, anyway, so uh, I guess the uh, the important takeaway here is uh, is what we're gonna talk about for a second. Um, but before we do that, I'm gonna play another tune because I can't. So hang on.
4: total
5: control now is there anybody out there now watch yourself for you cause you can't go what is it really that is in your head one little life that you had just died I'm gonna
4: be the one that's taking over now this is what Now who's the light and who is
5: the devil? You can't decide, so I'll be your guide. And one
4: by one, they will be chosen. Now this is what it's like when worlds collide. Are you ready to Guys 'Cause I'm ready to go. What you gonna do, baby?
0: the stars collide and people get fucked up. Uh, Sorry, the stars revolt and the worlds collide and people get fucked up. So yeah, that's what happens when you fight the good guys. Um, Anyway. So right before that, I was talking about the, uh, the idea, the idea of this uh, operation overlord. Now it's kind of crazy. And uh, you know, so it was think about this (laughs) two years before two years before this happened, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in 1942, two years before this happened, they had uh, uh, the Germans had invaded uh, basically whatever the hell country they wanted to since 1939. But uh, in 1942, they had uh, they had successfully invaded um, France, and they pushed hundreds of thousands of Allied soldiers out of France. Um, you know, And that's when we end up with the uh, the Dunkirk ex, uh, ex, expedition. Ex, I don't know what it's called. Um, but the Dunkirk landings were basically all these ships, uh, these merchant and fishing ships, uh, showed up, picked up all these troops, and got them the fuck out of there. So then the commanders that were in charge went and talked with Churchill and they said, look, due to the, uh, the amount of force and military power that the Germans have, um, we can't retake this area anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. We need a plan. So Churchill said, all right, um, let's think this through. Now, Churchill was a guy who had, uh, he had personally served in world war one. Um, no, what had happened was before then, he was a commander and he was kind of, uh, um, I don't know if you want to call him prime ministry, but he was important. And actually, it was because of him that the British were uh, not so worried about Gallipoli. So if you do a little bit of research back there, uh, you know, he caused... Gallipoli and it was a traumatic failure and and as such uh, he was sent to the front as a soldier and uh, he went and he did all kinds of crazy shit like he was in the trenches and dealt with uh, the gas attacks and all that stuff. so when he came out of World War one he was he had learned a thing or two so this motherfucker says okay I want to avoid uh, some of the stuff that happened in World War one and I I, I don't, certainly don't want to get embarrassed twice. So uh, he said, All right, let's think of a plan. And in in the meantime, um, we're going to scale it back a little and we're going to focus on defense of Great Britain because these motherfuckers are going to try to take over our island. So, along with uh, all of the Allies, particularly um, America uh, and the Canadians, they decided that uh, we're not going to go directly at the Germans, we are going to invade. Africa. So now, when they invaded Africa, they spent all this time invading Africa, and they learned a whole bunch of lessons, particularly when it comes to um, assault from the sea. You know how to land, how to push through, and all that thing, all that stuff. And then, for months before the initial invasion of Normandy, they did some really cool stuff. So they distributed. Um, false information uh, electronically and visually to include sending out false radio messages. Uh, There was one part where they they blew up a bunch of inflatable tanks and they stuck them uh, on a shore somewhere so that the Germans could see it and think that they were building for an invasion from this part when they really weren't. Um, One of the really cool things that they did do, though, that I found out was as they were prepping for these uh these invasions they said okay let's really really think about this they learned how to build false harbors like they built fake harbors and shit imagine the manpower that would go into building fake harbors and ports like like they would build them and then launch from them so it was like they sailed and then they pulled into these fake harbors and ports and then they launched from there and, uh, the whole time the Germans couldn't reach them cause their weapons weren't big enough. So they had to just watch these guys build these harbors and shit, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, you know, and it was, uh, it was Hitler's, um, Atlantic wall uh, that they finally decided that they were going to hit. And, uh, Hitler was like, this wall is the best. You guys will never get through. Um, you know, it, it, everything is great. So, the Allies were like, "No, fuck that. We're coming. We're gonna. We're gonna go right through your Atlantic Wall." Now he put Hitler put Rommel in charge of the Atlantic Wall, and and uh, Rommel actually wasn't there because I think he was on his honeymoon. I think that's what I saw previously. But uh, crazy shit. The dude decides to get married and go on a honeymoon, and you know, because they thought the attack was coming at a different time, and then it actually came, and uh, the Germans weren't really prepared. So imagine if they had been prepared, it would have been way worse. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of kind of neat little tidbits to throw out there. Um, so you know, yeah. So uh, okay, so we're coming to the part of the coming to the part of the podcast. We're coming up on twenty nine minutes now. So I guess I'll throw out my <laughs> my random plug. So we got uh, army barracks now here in New Hampshire and in Maine. And a little bit of mass. There's this store called the Army Barracks. Now, when you go there, it's wicked cool. They have uh, uniforms from military services all over the world. They have, um, um, you know, other cool stuff. They have like MREs, and they have uh, they have a whole counter where they have nothing but uh, sharp weapons. So stuff made by K-bar and all that other stuff. Um, they have a toy section for the kiddies, and unfortunately, as as much as I fucking hate it, um, they have an airsoft thing because the fucking people that are too much of a bitch to join the military I want to do fucking airsoft. So they go to this store and they get all this tactical gear, and it's like like I'm and uh, and then they go out with their buddies and they play catch me fuck me and you jerk me and I'll jerk you. Uh, and we'll shoot each other with airsoft and we'll have a grand old time and then we'll fucking leave and, and I'll be a goddamn airsoft champion because the only thing that will get me out of my mom's basement is fucking airsoft. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking weirdos. Uh, where was it? Oh, anyway. So, uh, so there's a whole bunch of, there's, uh, there's a few locations. So there's actually seven. Uh, they're located in Scarborough, Maine conway new hampshire newington connecticut salem mass salem new hampshire saugus mass and west springfield mass so i go to the one in in conway because the one in the ones in massachusetts are are uh when i go to those ones uh well first off i don't like massachusetts anyway because stupid sales tax and all that whatever horse shit they have to deal with and i'm not a fan of massachusetts i I just I, i i grew up there but i fucking escaped long time ago um 20 years ago, I escaped Massachusetts, stand and I fucking stay out of there if I can avoid it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so the one in Salem and uh, the ones in Massachusetts are, they're they're terrible. When I go to those, ones, I want to punch people. Um, so I go to the one uh, up in Conway, New Hampshire. Great folks up there. Uh, you get a few of the aerosol guys, but typically what you end up with up there is you end up with the uh, your hunting crowd you end up with your prior military service crowd so those are typically the guys that that go up there and uh it's a lot more relaxed and i don't know i just i think the mindset is a little different but then you get down to uh you get down to salem new hampshire and you get down to the massachusetts ones and and it's all the freaking it's all those douchebags that are doing airsoft or the uh the ones that the one that the ones that think it's fantastic to, to, to buy military uniforms and, uh, and military surplus gear and turn it into a wardrobe of some kind. Like it's, like it's kitschy, I, I guess. Uh, hipsters, I, I don't know. Um, millennials, I, I don't know what the fuck they call them anymore, but uh, people that, people that served in the military will understand that other disdain and disgust that we, that I am holding towards some of these folks that show up there. Um, and like their entire life revolves around airsoft. You, you'll see them. They're there um, anyway, but uh, the business is, is awesome. So their, uh, their website is army barracks.com. Uh, and if you're going to, like I said, if you're going to go to, if you're going to go to one uh, in this area, make the trip to Conway it's worth it because up there you've also got the Kangamangus highway. You've got, uh, the little towns up there. You've got, uh, uh, you got Conway and West Conway and, and a few of these other absolutely beautiful areas that you can go up to and drive through and enjoy it and make a day out of it. And then if you go a little bit further North, you end up, uh, um, you got, uh, if you, well, if you go a lot further North, you get Pittsburgh and the, the, the uh you get the main border up there so the one that i go to is it's uh route 16347 white mountain highway this is for for gps use you uh for the gps you want to program the address one Emery lane in conway new hampshire uh and they're open 10 to 6 their phone number is 603-447-6323 that's a big truck <laughs> i get distracted i'm like a i got adhd or some shit i don't know i just saw a big white truck drive down my street because i'm in a living room and uh yeah when you see a big white truck you pay attention to a big white truck um it, it's a budget truck which tells me it's probably uh probably an amazon delivery for somebody anyway uh <laughs> email abconway at armybarracks.com. so that is by far the uh, as far as I'm concerned the better the ones to go to so yeah so I talked a little bit about operation overlord and today being the anniversary of that and uh one of the points that i I was irritated about today was I was out and about driving around this morning because I had to go get coffee because I'm in the middle of a project i'm I'm ripping apart my deck and rebuilding it and the previous owners of this house are, were fucking nutsos cuz uh, it's it just a lot of work. Um anyway, and I didn't understand this. Every flag I saw was still flying at full staff. So like it was uh, all the way at the top. It's the fucking anniversary of D-Day and the flags are still flying high, but whenever uh whenever there's a tragedy in America, whether it's a fucking uh, a black dude getting killed by a white cop or uh, uh, a woman getting their shit kicked out of her by her husband and dying or you know a school shooting or any of that stuff and it makes the news. Well, all of a sudden all the flags are lowered to half staff and we enter a fucking ridiculously long period of mourning, which I get it. it's important, but come on, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know it, it irritates the shit out of me when this happens. but uh, anyway, I think I'm gonna go ahead with one one last song and um yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. so hang on one second all right just uh, had to had to find the song so um yeah, so uh the the last song of the show today is it's uh you know, it's a Godsmack tune it's it's new ish, not brand new but uh you know this this is a great song when you look back. If this song had been around, this would have been a kick-ass tune to play during the invasion. Like I could just imagine—I uh, could just imagine this playing over some some speakers as the troops are going ashore, and just know, scaring the fuck out of the Germans because this is what we're all about. So enjoy some Godsmack.
4: Alone I try, with words I'm silent cry, a breath is frozen, with blinded eye. And let
0: About. All right, so that was, uh, obviously, that was when Legends Rise. Um, so we're coming to the part of the, the podcast that I both love and hate. This is the part where I get to remind everybody that I am not always on the internet and always doing podcast stuff, because I do have a family and all that. Um, but if you send me your comments or requests, you can email me at Mardiosky at yahoo.com or you can send me a message on Facebook at Mike Martioski. Or you can find me on Instagram at Journeyman Brewer. Or you can even catch me on Snapchat. Just type in my name, Mike Martioski, and it will uh, it'll come up. I don't necessarily get back to people quickly through uh, Snapchat. But, you know, I will if you hit me up that way. So, the... Yeah, last thing I'm going to say to you guys is uh, take care of each other, enjoy the weekend, and I'll be back next week. And as always, go fuck yourself.